Today's podcast is brought to you by Eggshell Light Company. For over 45 years, Eggshell Light Company has been the go-to specialty shop handling the lighting needs for all that grace the shores of beautiful Hawaii. Combining the artistic methods of the theater with the speed and efficiency of the musical touring industry, they have pioneered event lighting throughout the Hawaiian Islands. They specialize in supply of top-shelf equipment and designers for broadcast, concerts, corporate, and special events. From the smallest weddings to televised concerts and the largest corporate clients, they know that this is your most important event. It is their goal to make you feel that way. Aloha from Eggshell Light Company. Welcome everyone to the LD at Large podcast. This is Chris Lose. I am sitting here today with my good friend Jason Newman. Uh, I am the designer relations developer at Ayrton Lighting, as well as a columnist at, L- at PLSN for LD at Large. Jason Newman is uh, here from Creative Technology, and we decided we'd have a little discussion about some of the things that are affecting the our industry these days, uh, number one being the coronavirus and the effects that it's having on canceling shows. And I know that Jason has some very interesting solutions that we can do to help uh, prevent illnesses and even still thrive in the business. So I thought I'd introduce him, uh, invite him today to come talk to us. Uh, Thanks for coming down, Jason. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, So this all started me uh, checking you out on Facebook. Uh, You and I have known each other for a long time, but I saw that you had shared our concern. Uh, My Facebook feed is full of either people canceling because of the coronavirus, they're canceling major events, or they're uh, delaying travel or some of the posts are as small as just hey wash your damn hands right so i was yeah, hoping it's... that you could kind of fill us in on what you know about it and uh, what we can do about it well i think that you know the, the question of what we know from it is uh you know it's, it's one of those that's still developing um you know as a backstory and in, in addition to being an av geek and, and kind of growing up in this world i also have uh, a <laughs> background in medical uh, i'm an active emt and uh, so ironically parallel to everything that's happening in the world right now with coronavirus and, and looking for solutions and how do we how do we maintain business and, and really keep the industry moving forward I'm, I'm also renewing my certification so i'm i'm taking classes at 10 o'clock 12 o'clock at night and uh, getting up at 5 a.m. To, to be online in these uh, these different trainings and, and getting my uh, CEU credits because, like everybody else in the world, it's uh, last minute and busy schedules. Um, you know, so it's it's been interesting to see it from both sides. It's you've seen it from a clinical perspective as well as the the reactionary. And I think that one of the things that you know, as we look at it, is is the impact of social media. I think social media drives a, a lot of the the influence in in everyone's market and everyone's life. And you know, if you if you look at past pandemics or, or outbreaks of, of, you know, things of equal scale that the social media wasn't as prevalent. So we, as a community, I don't think we had the opportunity to openly and freely exchange as quickly as we do now. It's as soon as something comes up or something, something transpires, it's immediately out there. So people have a lot more visibility and there's a lot more clarity as to what's happening. But at the same time, there's also a lot of this, the other half of social media, which is the misinformation or disinformation. And and I think it's it's finding that balance, and you know, as, as we look to it from a technology uh, standpoint, it's you know, how do we how do we present a solution that that preserves what we're doing in the industry? How do we do something that we can continue to to succeed and thrive as an industry and meet the the moral obligation of 
if somebody's not comfortable doing something and, and they, they don't feel that it's safe for them and that's a personal decision, then how do, how do we oblige that? How do we facilitate them in, in their, their desires? And how do we make sure that our clients are still able to do the business that they need to, that we're not stopping society because of these fears, founded or unfounded? That is one thing that is true about humanity. That we just don't, we, we'll do anything we can to not let this stop us from continuing business. Right. Well, and, and unfortunately, it's, you know, well, not unfortunately, but at the end of the day, we, we all have responsibilities and those responsibilities are, you know, our own personal agendas. But, you know, most of the time it's, it's going to be providing food on the table and providing shelter and, and, you know, creating that lifestyle that, that we're accustomed to. And, and how do we continue to facilitate that? And, you know, from, from a business perspective, there's businesses that provide goods and services. These are things we depend on every day. We can't shut down telecommunications. We can't shut down electricity. We can't shut down food production. So all of these have codependencies and everything is, is interrelated. And, you know, it's the entire, the entire ecosystem that, that is uh, commerce and, and how do we maintain and preserve that? And that's, you know, that's when, when you go back to the social media post, I kind of started this discussion with, with you and I, that's, that's what we were looking for. This was, you know, one of the topics that we, we discussed internally was how do we communicate that this is what we do? This is what we're here for. And, and we've been doing this. This is what we do for, for business. And we do it daily. We do it. You watch TV, you're seeing the end result of what we're doing. There's a lot of these different launch events and these, these user conferences and broadcast specials and, and television events that take place and even film that are all using this technology. It's out there. We just don't realize how much we interact with it every day. Absolutely. So you and I both are in an industry and both are very affected by anything happening in China. Thanks to a global industry, we, uh, we're both very dependent on what's happening over there. Let's say I wanted to update. I wanted an update on what's going on at a, a factory in China. What can I do? Uh, clearly, I can't get on a plane and fly there now. Well, I mean, you, you can, um, and you know, it's, uh, there's, it's, you know, that's some of that disinformation is that, you know, all of China is shut down. It's there's portions of China and there's, there's areas of China that are shut down. But again, as, as we look at it from, you know, what's, what the information is available versus what's the reality. I think, you know, we, we have offices in, in Asia, we have offices across Asia and, and for the last couple of weeks, I've been actually interacting with my, uh, um, Hong Kong office on a really regular basis. I've got a couple of projects that are taking place down there. And what we're seeing on that side is that it's starting, it's backside of this, this uh, trend. So they're coming back into, they, they need to get projects done. There's the demand, there's, there's the need for services. And so we're starting to see that increase uh, slowly on the, on the Asian continents. And, and so as that's moving across, we've seen it come across Europe and we're seeing it now start to impact the U.S. We're hopeful that the trend continues and that, you know, there's going to be that, that peak to it. But in the meantime, how are we able to facilitate that? And that's where, you know, leveraging as, as we talk about what creative technology is and what NEP is and, and what we can facilitate with that. It's the ability to leverage the existing infrastructure and not have to recreate the wheel to connect those those points. So to your point of, you know, if, if you've got a supply chain, a uh, manufacturer in, in Asia, and, you know, the, the easy thing is that we're going to jump online. We're, we're going to do a, a face-to-face call, whether it's a, a Zoom or, um, you know, any of the other 500 different platforms that are out there that allow you to connect to each other, even FaceTime. 
Um, you know, the, the, the question is scale then, scale and reliability and redundancy and what's the quality of the output. If, if it's a one-on-one meeting, that's something that you're going to do on your computer. That's something you're going to do in your office. If you're looking to address the concerns or you need to connect multiple larger groups, then that's where it starts to become a little challenging. You don't have the same capacity or ability to just connect your computer and use a webcam. Now we have to start thinking a little larger. How do we facilitate this? How do we make sure that the audio and video in room are the same as the quality that we would be expecting? How do we deal with the the component of latency? If we're, if we're doing a link between somebody in Pittsburgh and somebody in Shenzhen, how do we make sure that it is not going to take 12 minutes to finish one conversation or, or finish a single thought with all of that, that uncomfortable dead air? We want, to, we want to eliminate that and make it as natural and as efficient as possible. While, again, as we go back to you know, some of the fears, making everybody feel as, as confident and comfortable as possible. We're, we're not going to the expense or exposing anybody unnecessarily to having to travel if they don't feel like it. So now we, we, need, to, we need to regionalize this. How do we facilitate that in two sites? Leverage the existing infrastructure. Take advantage of that. Okay. So let's say I'm in, I'd say I'm at ProLight and Sound in Frankfurt. Yep. And I need to talk to my supply chain in, let's say, Hong Kong. And let's say they were their flights were delayed or canceled thanks to uh, misinformation or whatever is going on. What can I do to reach out to them? Well, I think if, if we look at it, something like a, a trade show floor and, and use, you know, real, real world uh, case studies, let's say there's a, a new product. There's a, a new product being uh, launched and, and there's, you know, all of the fanfare and spectacle that has to go with it. And that entire team that was backing it up is suddenly in quarantine in, in Hong Kong. And the, the challenge is how do we then make sure that we're not underselling what that capability is? How do we properly communicate that? And how do we ensure that that is going to have the same impact because from a marketing perspective, we've, we've committed to the manufacturing, we've committed to the advertising, we've committed to, to the resources, but now we don't have the team to be able to sit there and give the information. So the, the way that we do it is we build that real-time bridge. The same way we do in broadcast is we're going to bring those two parties together. We're going to bring in some screens and we're going to create that as part of that experience in that environment that they don't have to necessarily be there live on stage but they can talk about it and they can speak to it and they can interact and engage as though they are. So we take a, and, you know, again, depending on size and scale is where, you know, some of those, those economies, you know, are, are different. But if we're talking about a, a development team and they want to have real product, we're going to set up a showroom for them in Hong Kong. And we're going to have them show, here's what the product's doing. And simultaneous to that, we can have that same data control transfer with the video And we're going to send that information to a fixture sitting on the floor at ProLight. So as they're talking about these features, as they're showing them on the live fixture in their showroom in Hong Kong, it's also controlling that same fixture on the floor at ProLight. So now they're speaking to it. The experience is as genuine, as authentic. It's not a pre-recorded canned piece that they're just playing. They can go through the specific features. Now, if you've got a question, you can ask that question and you can have it addressed and you walk away with that, that knowledge and that experience of saying, I understand how this works now. We've just had this, this connection between these two points that, that geographically were, were separated because of you know, whatever that, that condition was, but we've still had the same experience. We've, we've shared that. And the end result is from a marketing component, we've got the message out from the right people at the right time to the right audience. 
the only thing you're missing is the handshake itself, the actual handshake. Everything else is is information has been transferred. Right. And and as far as handshakes go, let's stick to fist bumps and uh, hand washing for a little <laughs> while. I mean, that's what we should be doing anyway. So it's we're we're not really missing anything at that point. It's these are these are practices that we should be, you know, as as we engage on a global scale and and with you know different different people from around the world that are exposed to different things. Let's get away from the handshake. I know the handshake is a very, um, you know, uh, it's a professional thing. It's, it's etiquette. But, you know, there's, there's also the reality that, you know, when, when you shake somebody's hand as a, as a form of courtesy, I don't think they're going to be offended if you don't shake their hand, but you give them the fist bump. I think we've, we've you know, all collectively moved far enough along in society to understand that it, it carries the same intention. Great point. Great point. Uh so obviously, I would never want to get rid of a, a person-to-person meeting, but when that's impossible, it sounds like what you're talking about in these uh, the glass-to-glass scenario, it sounds like you're getting all the same input and all the same interaction, just minus the, the, the breathing on each other aspect. Right. And, and you take it and you, you localize or you regionalize what those experiences are. So instead of bringing everybody from around the world into a single location, let's break this up and do it across multiple locations. So let's have a, a conference, a national sales conference with teams in the Bay Area, in New York, in London, in Shanghai, in Australia. It doesn't matter. We bring them all in and everybody's able to share and, and be part of that experience. And, and I think from the the producer's perspective. And, and this is where, you know, we, we kind of have to put that, that lean towards let's rethink how we're doing this just slightly. It's not, we're rethinking the technology. It's not, we're rethinking what the, what the presentation is. It's rethink what that user experience is. What is the attendee going to see when they're in that room? If we're, if we're just boring them with death by PowerPoint and it's just slideshows, that's going to be a difficult thing to continue to engage. But if we can have quality content and we can have people that are represent, representative in each of those locations that have the ability to interact and, and really see, be the, the glue that holds all of that together, that's where you change that. And I think that's one of the challenges is we think of, you know, it's, and, and I know we, we refer to it as this web streaming solution, as these, these connected events as being one way. And it's one directional. And if you want to ask a question, it's somebody with a microphone who's standing in the back of the room that the person on the other end of the screen is never going to see. They have no knowledge of who that person is. There's no way for them to be able to have that, that connection. Let's change what that, that experience is and let's put that person on. So you have cameras on both sides. You're talking to each other. You can see what each other are doing, what the reaction is. What's the, what's the facial expression when you ask that question? Is this something that, that is pertinent or is it something that's kind of off topic? And when you, when you create those, those regional experiences and you can share that across a globe, now what you've done is you've, you've kind of limited your, your exposure or your team's exposure. You've also taken away the amount of time that people have to be away from home. And as you know, people in our industry understand it's, you know, travel is a big demand. And for the, the common person who, you know, who's a non-traveler going to the airport alone is a stressful experience on a normal day, let alone doing it in these times. So for them to not have to go through the airport, not have to deal with TSA, not have to go through the boarding process and in all of these steps, just create anxiety in their, in their day and their experience to go and go to a conference. Let's have that conference. Let's make sure that they feel as welcome in their local region as they do globally. And let's make sure that they connect with each other. There's so many times now that I think people sitting in offices next to each other, desks across the aisle 
have no idea what the other person's doing because they don't have that opportunity to connect. So let's reconnect at a local level. Let's bridge that gap on a global perspective and make sure that everybody's talking. I think that's, that's the biggest challenge is we, we don't have that, that ability to interact the way we should. I agree. So let's say that I, uh, I fully want to put together a presentation. I want to send it to Hong Kong. Uh, clearly, I can't do it on just my own laptop. What more do I need? Do I need a special studio? Do I need a you, you don't need you, you don't need a special studio. It's it, it depends on what the experience is. So you know, if if we look at it, you know, really what Creative Technology is doing and what we're doing is we're leveraging the experience of NEP, and NEP is our our parent company, and NEP is the largest broadcast provider in the world. We have studios globally. We have facilities globally. And we're already doing these types of things. So if we look at Australia as an example, in Australia, the, the uh, rugby stadiums and the, the uh, football pitches or soccer pitches, they're all connected through IP already to a central command location. So we already do this remote production. So we've, had, we've got entire seasons that are, that are broadcast in Australia and globally that we have a minimal footprint on site. So it's, it, again, depending on what your scale and, and what your presentation is, that depends what the equipment is, but that's the way it is for any conference or any meeting. We're always going to have certain technology requirements that we need to, to meet. But as far as the, the ability to, to present that in a professional way, we bring that all into a central location and we produce it from that central location. That central location can be any, anywhere in the world. We just opened our DC office. So we have a DC hub that essentially remote controls production and process from anywhere in the US. We can take an event in San Francisco and using backbone fiber optic technology in our partnership and in our, our alliances globally, we have ultra low latency and we're abil- we're, we have the ability to, to send that and package it and present it in a way that you're not able to on your normal laptop. So if I was cutting a show on my normal laptop, I'm, I'm fumbling around trying to switch between uh, a keynote presentation or PowerPoint presentation, and now I want to play a video. And it's that kind of broken experience. We want to create that, that seamless experience. We want it to be something that somebody's able to feel comfortable presenting to, that it flows the way it should when they're on stage, the way they've rehearsed, the way they've seen it. So we're going to bring that same back end in, again, depending on what the, the needs are. And then we're going to present that globally with everything else that sits in the background. So we've done this. Uh, we had just done a project in, um, in Asia where it came out of Hong Kong down to Australia. The actual show was cut in, and we did all of the, the audio. We did all of the graphics. Everything was done in Australia and then sent back into the same venue with a seven millisecond round trip time. So your, your latency and the amount of time that it takes to do these, these productions, these events is, is absolutely real time. It's you don't see the normal person isn't going to see that delay. They're, they're not going to realize, holy cow, there's nobody sitting in the room right now that's doing this. They're doing this in Australia. They're, they're entire continents away. They're, they're on a separate island in the middle of the ocean and they're doing this work. And, and that's what we're, we're trying to achieve is the, the ability to, to take away some of that, that fear of doing these, these events and these productions globally. And, you know, the, the question of, what special equipment is needed, bring the laptop. We're going to bring a rack in. We're going to connect it. We're going to connect it to our IP services. And once we're there, the experience is, is what it should be for you. That is amazing. We have come so far from the times of having to go to the baker to get your loaf of bread. And if your baker is sick, you don't get bread. We, uh, we're so globally connected now with all these 
with the infrastructure that we can reach out to the entire world to get our our uh, metaphorical loaf of bread basically well i think i think that's also i think there's a certain amount of danger in that also uh to be completely honest and and that's one of the things that that i i know you and i've have you know kind of touched on before is that you know, when we look at these uh, conglomerates and, and the consolidation of business and how do we maintain the ability to continue to service our clients and, and without the fear of, of something massive taking over, that it becomes just kind of bleached out and it's, it's this one giant cover that goes over everything. And that's, and that's one of the things that I think NEP has done really well. That's one of the things that attracted to me a couple of years ago to them was the fact that even though it's we're we're all part of NEP and and we look at it as one family and and you know I go out and I have dinner with with teams from different uh, companies and and you know under different brands and and we really get along and and daily there's communication across the board but when it comes to that that client experience and you know going to your baker and having that loaf of bread that client experience is still one on one and the the solution in that experience that you get from creative technology or you get one of our sister companies if you're going to Faber MediaTek, Sweetwater, ScreenWorks, Bexel, it doesn't matter. You're still going to have that personal experience with the baker. And, you know, hopefully the baker's not sick that day, but we, we do have other bakers in the shop. But it's it's really to, to your point is, yes, it's a, a completely global transaction and solution that that is able to touch real time anywhere in the world, but you still have that that person on the corner that you can go to and that that person that you can shake the hand or fist bump. And, and, and make sure that your, your vision is being carried out the way that you want, that it's true to what you're, you're looking for. I would imagine for some of the large companies, uh, the large bakeries per se, they, uh, they get upset because, because of the fear, they have to cancel events to make certain people comfortable, but they still want to hold their event. They can still reach out to somebody like yourself and they can say, Hey, look, we, we can't go to Frankfurt, but we still need to get the, the word out about our new product. Absolutely. Because once, once this passes and, and it will pass this, you know, his, history has shown this is not the first illness. We, we have the flu, the seasonal flu that, that happens every single year in this, and it travels the world. It's, it's the same flu that, that, you know, is going to be in Australia, that's going to be in Asia, that's going to be in Europe, it's going to be in the US. And there's different strains and variants. And, and you know, the, the scientists are always doing their job to try and stay ahead of it and identify it. But when we look at it, these things do pass. It's there's there's different rates of infection, there's different demographics that are that are impacted differently. And that's, you know, that's more of the, the clinical side. But at the end of the day, when it passes, we have to continue life and we have to continue doing what we do. And, and that's what we want to ensure is that, you know, for those companies that still are manufacturing, they're still producing, that are still servicing the needs for the goods of everybody globally, that those resources are still there. If, if we all become hermits and, and we all pull back and, and we don't go outside, that's going to be crippling to the entire world. So what we're doing is just making sure that that business continues, that that opportunity exists, that when that company goes to, to launch their new product at Frankfurt, Yes, maybe the the perception of how it was presented is different, but the impact of it isn't any less. That we we don't lessen the impact, we don't take away from what that 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 moment is. This is the launch of the new box. The new toaster is being launched today, and with it should come everything that the teams that have worked tirelessly to build it, to manufacture it, to design it, and to market it that this is their dream and their vision. And we shouldn't, we shouldn't, you know, dilute that in any way, just because of the fact that 
we're not able to have the, the audience standing right there. We're not able to have the team that built it standing right there. We can still make that connection and, and we need to make that connection. We, we need to have that ability to, to continue life. I agree that the, the, the coronavirus as many as, as, as well as all the other viruses that have come and gone or have all passed. But what doesn't pass is the people that are losing tours and they're losing major events. And there's not only the, the health strain, but there's also the mental strain on, on what's happening. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, and it's, it's not, not so far, uh, you know, dissociated from something like a PTSD that it's, it's, um, you know, I, th- I think that we as a community and, and I say community as the entertainment industry and in anybody, really, it's anybody that's impacted by this. I think we're going to see uh, additional demand on the mental health side that, you know, it's, we're, we're going through this together. We're seeing this together. And it's something that, you know, unfortunately it's a lot of us have experienced before. And, and when we look at it in history, a lot of us have been through 2011 or 2001, rather 9, 11, mm-hmm. uh, we've been through the, the great recession in 2008. And so we've seen it, but at the same time, there's still that next generation coming up that hasn't seen it and they haven't experienced it. And this is their first time with something of this size and this magnitude that, that creates this, this impact in the industry. And, and I think that, you know, there, there needs to be awareness and there needs to be some, uh, sort of a, a, a buddy system, a check-in, make sure that, you know, Hey, look, I saw, I saw a post from, from John or Frank or George, you know, and, and, you know, I was a little concerned because he seemed a little bit down that, you know, Hey, this, this tour went away. It was really, he had all his marbles banked on that one project and we, we need to check in on him. We need to, to see how he's doing. And, and, you know, we, we need to make sure that we continue to emphasize the, the fact that we are all human and, and the, you know, mental health is, is a big component of this. I, I don't think it's, it's something that should be uh, diminished in any way. Yeah. Sometimes we just have to look past the, the initial concern of your tour canceling and look back like, Hey, so you need to wash your hands. And I also need to reach out to you and make sure that you're doing all right and make sure that, that you're not going to, this isn't going to hit you too hard. Right. And, and I think that, you know, it's, I, I know there's, there's a lot of teams that I work with very closely and, and we're all like family and, and I reach out to them on a regular basis and I check in with them and I make sure, even if it's just quick phone call or text, Hey man, how you doing? And you know, do, do schedules change? Do projects change? Do, do things change? Yes. Have they always? Yes. Is this something that's new? No. Um, but it's, it's the impact in the, in the speed of which it is that I think is, is kind of the, the challenge today. And it's, it's today's challenge. Tomorrow's going to be something different. And yesterday was something completely different as well. It's, it's, this is what our, our challenge for today is. And it's, um, you know, how do we, how do we maintain and how do we make sure that, that we're, we're staying positive and, and, you know, uh, unfortunately, there, there's people who who become very very hyper focused and they and they can't see around that, and that's why it's important to do those check ins and just you know, hey, how you doing, buddy? Let's let's go out and let's let's grab a soda, not necessarily alcohol. Um, you know, it's uh, you you had done the uh, the uh, dry February. I salute you yeah. for that. I think that's a, a tremendous thing, but it's it's also a you know, I've, I've, I've heard a lot of people on the road that have talked about it and kind of taken that out of their rotation. Hey, let's, let's go grab a drink, but you know what, let's, I'm just going to have a water or tea. Yeah. Um, just 10 years know, ago the, in order to alcohol, just 10 years ago, in order to ease all those pains and those, those fears, I would often find solace and in, in, uh, in the bottle. And the uh, next thing you know, every single day you're like, Oh, well I'm going to, I'm starting to feel those feelings again. 
better go go have get a hug from Captain Morgan to help him help me make those feelings go away. Well, and, and, and I think that, you know, it's, it's not even to a point of being an alcoholic. I, I don't think that that's, you know, necessarily what we're calling our entire industry, even though, you know, it might, might qualify, but, um, <laughs> I, I, I think that, yeah, you're absolutely right. There's a certain amount of, um, comfort found in, in those, because again, as a, as a band of traveling misfits that we go city to city and, and we're so accustomed to change and, no two days are the same. We, we don't sleep in the same bed. We don't, we don't wake up and, and get in the same car. We don't make our breakfast the same way. It's, we're, we're constantly adapting and evolving. And at some point, there's a need for something to be constant. And there's that desire for something to just be familiar. I need a familiar face. I need a familiar sound. I need a familiar feeling. And, and so I think that we, we, we look for that, that opportunity to have something familiar. And, and unfortunately, sometimes you know, we, we find it in, you know, those ways. And listen, I, I love to go out and have, have a drink or a couple of drinks and enjoy. And, uh, you know, but I, I've also found myself at times saying, Hey, you know what, I'm just going to sit this one out tonight. I, I need to, you know, pull it back a little last couple of nights. I've, I've gone a little too far. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why I do my, my annual dry February, just to prove to myself that I'm not dependent or just a, just a, a good refresh or restart to make sure that I'm not using the same solution over and over again. Well, it's, it's a good baseline. It's, it's, you know, kind of reset your, your, your body's expectation of normal. Yeah. Sometimes I find that I, my interests switch for the month instead of uh, going out and drinking with my friends, we'll go for a long walk or we'll go for a, just a dinner. And I'm always surprised at how inexpensive a dinner is when we don't include alcohol. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, you know, like going out to, uh, you know, it's when I, when I get off the road, I come home and I've, I've got the four kids and it's, you know, I can go out with the, with the entire family and it costs less than going out by myself or with one other person, you know, get together with a buddy and, you know, let's, let's go have a quick bite on the road. And it costs as much as my entire family does. Like, wait a minute, there's, there's something disproportionate there. <laughs> I'm sure Karen loves it when you take out the, the whole family when you're at home. <laughs> she well she you know it's uh it's one of those things where it's uh you know you're weighing where you, again that personal side of i've been on the road for the last three weeks i i'm, I'm home i want i want to be able to just sit and enjoy a, a meal at my table but then you realize that this is this is me i'm on the road i'm the one that's on the road they don't get to go out and have dinner they don't get to go out and have those experiences so for them it's something special it's something unique and something they want to do so they uh they look forward to it and those are those are things that we have to do I agree. Uh, so we got about five minutes left. What I really wanted to get into is that I am taking off today. I'm leaving Canada and I'm flying to LA to go meet with some friends uh, for an, uh, an event that I just can't make, I can't miss. What can I be doing while traveling to make sure that I'm as, as safe as possible and take all the precautions? So that if nothing else, I can tell my wife that like, hey, look, I took all the precautions that Jason Newman recommended, and I'm I'm being as safe as possible. Well, and, and you know, again, I'm I'm not a uh, a medical doctor. I'm not epidemiology or anything of the sort. It's uh, you know my disclaimer. My <laughs> my, my, my medical uh, experience uh, limits me to uh, being able to uh, my differential diagnosis is sick or not sick. But um, <laughs> you know the, the the biggest thing is is washing your hands. That that is something that we 
collectively should be doing. And it's not anything that's any different than we're taught from, from day one. It's, you know, our, our parents teach it to us. We teach it to our children, wash your hands. You just went to the bathroom, wash your hands. You just coughed all over yourself, wash your hands. And that's what we need to do. We need to, it's 20 seconds warm to, you know, not scalding hot, but hot water with soap, wash your hands, make sure you're getting the tops of your hands and, and you're going to come in contact with surfaces. When you're on that plane, don't put your, your grubby paws all over every surface that you can touch and then immediately go and, and pick up some peanuts that they're passing out and put those in your mouth because you've transferred whatever droplets have landed on the tray table or the armrest or the wall or your headphones. And you've transferred that to your hands. Now you've gotten some peanuts. Now you're putting them in your mouth. It's be a little smarter in, in how we're doing things. Let's be you know a little more conscious. I travel with gloves. I have gloves. If, if I'm you know in a spot that seems like it's a little bit shady, I'll put some gloves on. I have no problem with that. You know, just regular exam gloves. I'll, I'll throw them in my bag. Um, as far as the the N95 masks go, it's there's a, a huge run on this. And from a from the medical industry and, and the emergency services, one of the big bags is stop using them. You don't need them. The N95 masks should be used for people who are sick. If you are sick or you feel you have symptoms, put a mask on. You're not protecting yourself. You're protecting those people around you. But for everybody else, specific to Corona, Corona is a um, uh, not an airborne disease. It's something that is coughed. It's a respiratory uh, infection. So it's something that's going to land on a surface, going to live on a surface. You have to come in contact and you have to transfer it to yourself unless you're coughed directly on. Obviously, there's those cases. Um, but it's, it's not something that just standing in the same elevator as somebody else, you're going to get it. It, it has a very low infection rate at, at that. And so, you know, it's, it, let's, let's bring back some of the hysteria and some of the hype. Let's, let's focus on what it is. If you're not feeling good, don't go to work, call out sick. Let's make sure that, you know, if, if you're feeling it, come on, let's have the conversation with our tour managers. Let's talk to our production teams. Hey guys, you know what? I'm not feeling it today. Uh, it's, it's just a, a second day of install. I'll come in after we'll figure out a way we'll reschedule around doing something. Let's, let's change just one thing. And maybe that prevents somebody else from getting sick. And odds are you have something that you got from your little germ factories as children versus Corona. It's, it's not, that's not what you're, you're going to have, but if we can, if we can kind of isolate those, those things, ease the fears and, and everybody just has to, you know, take the additional time. It's, you know, a little bit of alcohol wipe, wipe your hands off. If you're, if you've come into contact with something, wash, if you've coughed, cough in your elbow. It's, it's the same thing that you're hearing all over social media. You're seeing it on the TV and it's, it's, just the simple basic things that we should do for anything. We should do it in flu season. We should do it when there's a, a virus that's traveling like Corona. It's, it's, these are the precautions that we can take that, that will help stop and, and or limit the spread. Right on. Thank you so much, Jason. I appreciate your time. It sounds like you have a great solution for both uh, in-person and glass-to-glass that uh, either way I can reach out to you and help you. You can, you can help me solve my problems. Absolutely. And on a uh, global scale. Absolutely. Thank you so much for your time. I hate to cut it short. I'm sure we could talk for several more hours here, but uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to help us uh, put this all into perspective. Always happy. Thanks so much, Jason. I appreciate it. Have a good day. See ya.